Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess will be back tomorrow. He's getting some extra rest from his trip over the weekend. I have my special guest, Father Frank Pavone from Priest for Life, coming on in the second and third segment. You're going to want, not want to miss that because we're going to be talking about the issue of abortion and some of the states and the rulings that are going on because of the Supreme Court decisions. Also about Archbishop uh, Newhouse, he's from uh, the Kansas bishop who says, Catholics, that's us, we should counter pro-abortion bullying with the truth. Also, the U.S. Supreme Court Justice uh, Alito is uh, mocking foreign critics of the abortion ruling. God bless him. And then, of course, I want to finish off with four practical tips for a more fruitful adoration when you go before the Blessed Sacrament. And if I have time, I'm going to get Bishop Snyder's uh, little question and answer on the springtime that never came book. And then, Father Frank, I'm going to ask a very controversial question regarding Pope Francis on the airplane talking about Hermana Vitae, whether that is still going to be valid. I mean, it's an amazing statement by the Pope. We need to pray for the Holy Father. So we'll have um, all that and much more. But before we do that, we always want to get some soul food in, and that's the gospel for today's Mass. And it's from Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 to 21. When Jesus heard of the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew into a boat to a deserted place by himself. The crowds heard of this and followed him on foot from their towns. When he disembarked, he saw the vast crowd. His heart was moved with pity for them, and he cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples approached him and said, This is a deserted place and is already late. Dismiss the crowd so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. He said to them, There is no food for them, and to go away. Give them some food yourselves. But they said to him, Five loaves and two fishes is all we have here. Then he said, Bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowd to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fishes... And looking up to heaven, he said the blessing, broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples, who in turn gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. And when they picked up the fragments, oh my gosh, left over, 12 wicker baskets full. Those who ate were about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This gospel, I always think of a foretaste about the Eucharist. And I think of what took place in Guadalajara a month or two ago, that Eucharistic miracle taking place where the host was pulsating. And they're verifying this miracle, but it would make sense that our Lord is looking at us as a church right now and saying, oh, those poor children, they're going hungry. Why? Because they're not being taught the Catholic faith. So I, I see the connection. And I'll just give you a little quick note. I was uh, at a baseball game. My son bought me tickets to go to the Anaheim Stadium with my wife and daughter. And I sat next to an 80-year-old man who was a fallen-away Catholic. And when I asked him, why would you leave the Catholic Church to settle for a symbol when John 6, and I quote the whole verse right at the Anaheim Stadium, and he looks at me and he says, because I don't believe anymore. And I thought, well, that's so sad, my friend. And I think this is one of the reasons people leave the Catholic Church. They, they, don't, they never understood their faith. And so this is why we have to promote the Eucharist always. And that's why later in the show, 
we're going to talk about four practical tips for Eucharistic adoration. And today is August 1st, so it's a feast. Well, they were commemorating St. Alphonsus Liguori, who's the founder of the, the Redemptus, Redemptor Fathers. And what I like about St. Alphonsus is he wrote about 100 books. And I remember as a teenager reading The Glories of Mary and just The Passion and Death of Our Lord. They're still available from Tan Books. But uh, he was born in Naples, Italy, 1696, lived to be almost 90 years old. He was a lawyer. But what happened when he was a lawyer was he, he quit because the client he had was lying to him about his case. And when he realized he was representing someone who was lying to him, he said, I don't want nothing to do with this. And he walked away from being a lawyer, and he ended up becoming a Catholic priest and a doctor of the church. His moral theology classes traditionally uh, before the last 60 years was standard for priests. And I think that uh, we should be going back to, to this doctor of the faith, St. Alphonsus Liguori, because he hits so hard in, the, in regards to the faith. All right, that was quick because I want to give you an announcement right after Fulton Sheen. Let's bring on the smartest guy in the room, Fulton Sheen, full Sheen ahead. This is so appropriate for our culture. And especially with this, with abortion and how so many of these women commit suicide and the culture that we're living in with the uh, pandemic, how many people have lost hope. Here's what Bishop Sheen said. Suicide has become a mental epidemic and a plague. What makes our age sad is not that our joys have ceased, but our hopes have ceased. And I think he's nailing it. Our hopes have been ceased. People don't have any hope right now. They're depressed. Oh, the COVID-19 is going to get, oh, this is going to, and they don't have their hope in Jesus Christ. And we, that's here at Virgin Most Powerful. That's what we want to give you, you know, the hope of Christ. All right, real quick announcement, and then we'll get into some more things. I tell people life is fragile yeah, because, you know, et- life is short. E- eternity is forever. And you're my family, so I share my family things. My wife and I were driving back from Tehachapi, California last night. I was in front of her. (coughs) She was behind me. (coughs) We needed to take another vehicle back. And she fell asleep and crashed the vehicle, and it rolled. And um, the police and the the ambulance people, we 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 were able to pull my wife out of the vehicle. It didn't start on fire or anything. And she came out with just a few scratches and... The policeman said, I'm going to tell you something, young man, young man, <laughs> tell you, not many people come out like that. Out of a crash like this, they're usually dead or broken necks or whatever. They're hurting. So we were able to witness at the scene of the accident, giving out miraculous medals, putting out Virgin Most Powerful radio cards to the policemen, to the people that were generous to help us. Uh, so we used it as a evangelization tool. And I shared with them, that, uh, you know, God's will is manifested moment by moment as long as we're staying faithful to our duties and our state in life. This happened. I have no idea. God brought good out of this. The car is total. Who cares about the car? I'm not a widower. I still have a wife. And I really believe that the angels protected my wife. And I'll say it publicly on radio. I think they did. And I thank my guardian angel. She says that we say our prayer every day when we get into the car. Oh, angel of God. My guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, forever this day be at my side, to light, to guard, to rule and guide. 
From sinful stain, O keep us free, and in death's hour my helper be. Now I tell you this, not to, I'm just, why tell you this? Because you see how God could work in our lives, even in these accidents? I mean, she should have been dead. But through the mercy of God and the angels, they said, nope, you're not done yet. We're still going at it. And so um, I've shared this with you in Thanksgiving, and I'd like to publicly thank our Lord and our Blessed Mother and the angels for saving my, my life's, wife's life so that I can continue to serve her and the family and she can continue to serve. And uh, we just thank God for that. So I wanted to share that with my family. You are my family here at the Virgin Most Powerful. So I wanted to get that to you. Also, I just wanted to shift gears and say my heart goes out to all of these Catholics who have a, a real love for the Trinitine Mass, the extraordinary form of the Mass, because they're being shut down all over the country here, Arlington Diocese and others. Uh, and I just am sad because this is these are young families that are going to Mass. They accept the Second Vatican Council's documents on the liturgy. They're just wanting to have a, a, a worship of God and in a very sacred way. And the, they're penalized for it. They're being told they can't do it. But then you see all these liturgical abuses going all over the country. I'm going to say it because it's true. Who's saying it? Who's knocking that off? Those things seem to get all over the place. Some priest saying a mass on a, on a, a floaty out in the middle of this Mediterranean. It's sacrilege. Okay? I pray that Holy Mother the Church, through the Pope and bishops, will really get back to the fundamentals when it comes to the worship of God. Because you know, if we can't worship God correctly, we can't do anything. That's the whole mission of what the Catholic Church is. We do. We want to teach people to worship God properly. I'll never forget Henry Newman when he was in a in a argument with a Protestant. The Protestant says, "Well, I'll worship God the way I want to, and you can worship God the way you want to." He says, "No, you worship God the way you want to. I'm going to worship the God the way God wants it." See, that's the key, guys. It's not me. What's God calling us? And so I really uh, ask Holy Mother the Church, through the Pope and bishops, to really focus more on uh, the worship of God according to the perennial teachings of the Church, rather than somebody thinking, oh, I got a better idea, they can't do that. It just seems that it's undermining. We're almost, we're almost, it's almost like the Church is attacking itself from within. Because there's so many young families that are attached to that, and you're telling them they can't do that? I mean, I don't see that in other areas. So I just find it very sad. And I would ask you, our listeners, to pray for Holy Mother the Church to get it right when it comes to the liturgy and not condemn people who want a traditional liturgy. That's all I'm saying. I don't go to the Trinitine Mass. I go to the Anglican Ordinariate. I like receiving on the tongue, kneeling down. I think everybody should. Why? It brings reverence. Reverence says God is God and we are not. Hey, when we come back, Father Frank Pavone will be with us. I look forward to chatting with you on that. And this is the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess will be back tomorrow. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, I'd be a billionaire. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. You're right. Father Frank Pavone, Priest for Life. Welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio again. 
Yeah, it's good to be back, uh, Terry. Nice to be with you. Well, God love you, Father. Before we get into the issue of abortion and state rights and what's going on in this country since the Supreme Court knocked down this uh, whole issue on abortion to put it back into the state's realm, Father, I have a concern, and I read Hermione Vitae as a teenager, and I really didn't get a, a good understanding until I was late, later in life. Uh, in fact, a lot of it came from Father Paul Marks from the Human Life International and Janet Smith, and I just really got a lot out of that document. And I realized what Paul VI was prophetic when he talked about Hermana Vitae and saying that if we, didn't under, if we don't believe in this whole issue of the transmission of life, that it would, it would tend us to become an abortion, uh, abortion would become re- prevalent in our culture. So he was prophetic in that point. Now, I just, I don't want to get you into trouble, Father. I want to, I try to, we pray for the Holy Father. We pray for bishops every Thursday night at our chapel because we love Holy Mother, the church. But when we see something that's ambiguous, we, we get concerned as lay people. And Canon 2.12 says, I'm supposed to let my pastors know. So here's what happened. On Saturday, the flight that the Holy Father, Pope Francis, took back from Canada, the question uh, was to Pope Francis, it was a, he says it was a very timely question about the possibility of uh, that, that adding a dogma on morality is all. He says this about, let me just get it real straight. Are you open to a short reevaluation of Hermani Vitae, or does the possibility exist for couples to consider contraceptives? A very direct question. Pope Francis called the question very timely adding that the dogma morality is always on a path of development, but always developing in the same direction. In a lengthy response, Pope Francis alluded to a 5th century theologian, St. Vincent Lorenz, whose famous canon has been increasingly used as the basis for modern arguments proposing developments of doctrine. So, Father Frank, it seems a little ambiguous, What? because we see, and I'll, I'll preface one more thing, the article about the... Um, the doctrine of faith, the uh, pushing this new book that also encourages us to reevaluate Hermana Vitae. Can we, I mean, what the heck is going on in Dodge here? I'm all yours. Well, the, the key thing is this. First of Tell all, uh, at like, like John Paul II said, to deny the teaching on contraception, you have to deny that God is God. Amen. Uh, he put it as definitively as it can be. There is no possibility, no way of changing that particular teaching. Pope Paul VI did not invent it. Uh, he just reaffirmed what the church has always taught. Uh, and John Paul II certainly uh, solidified it. I mean, that's what's the development of doctrine. The development of doctrine, it, it, like, like, like Pope Francis also said, always in the same direction. What direction? In the direction of affirming life, in the direction of, uh, in other words, once the church is so definitive about something as she is on the teaching on contraception, development of doctrine can never contradict that, can never go backwards. What it can develop into is 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 deeper ways of understanding. I mean, there's been development sure. from the beginning of the church to Paul VI. Paul VI, it was a development in the sense that it took the teaching, it applied it to modern times. Uh, and then, of course, another further development of doctrine you see in the theology of the body, which we have barely begun to unpack. Um, and that's development. In other words, those books themselves, 
of theology of the body that uh, you know John Paul wrote and all the the unpacking of that that has happened since then did not exist before and you have new ways of expressing it and new ways of understanding it but never contradicting what went before yeah. and it's the same thing with anything else that might happen now the other thing to keep in mind is is we're talking about the pope speaking to reporters uh, on a plane. Yeah, that's not how the magisterium is exercised, you know. Uh, so I, I really, you know, people should not worry about things that are said to reporters uh, on airplanes. The reporters we know often, many of them, are trying to get the Pope to say something that they can then trumpet far and wide and northeast, west and south to suggest doubts about what the church uh, teaches. Take those newspapers and and use them in the fireplace for burning uh, the fire. Uh, take those uh, email messages and you know delete them and then delete them again. Are you sure you want to delete this permanently? Yeah. Say yes. You know it's nonsense. It's all fluff, bluster, and garbage. Uh, basically, we, what we have to do. Stick to the scriptures, stick to the catechism, yeah. uh, stick to the things that we know, the encyclicals, etc. These are this is how the magisterium is exercised. Thank you, Father, for that answer. One more quick question that came up, and this was um, the Catholic Medical Association, who I used to record many conferences for. Uh, they um, they're profoundly disappointed that the announcement of the proposed removal of federal conscience protections for those working in healthcare. With these proposed regulations, the Biden administration has yet taken another action of blatant government overreach. In 2019, the federal regulations were enacted by President Trump and protected medical professionals from unfounded discrimination if they declined to participate in actions contrary to their moral or ethical principles. This protection is at risk of being destroyed with the Biden administration. Health and Human Services proposed to rescind these constitutionally sound principles. Your thoughts? Well, you know, why Why do the Democrat uh, leaders and the party have such lack of respect for conscience? I mean, this is really the question that needs to be asked. We're talking about conscience. And, and there are federal laws that uh, protect conscience. No administration protected conscience more than President Trump's uh, administration. And, you know, I'd often be invited on conference calls where they, the administration was explaining uh, uh, how our consciences were going to be even more protected under new rules that they were putting forth. Uh, so that's a question that has to be asked and has to be asked. Uh, as we go through these primary elections and then when we get into the general election in November. Meanwhile, for these proposed rules, there are periods of public comment. And I want to urge people to participate in that. We'll be sending out Good. a uh, action alert with instructions on that, and hopefully other groups will too. But it's a simple process. You just go to a website. You don't have to be an expert on the issue. You just say, you know, I, I've, I strongly object to this this proposed rule, I believe that the consciences of everybody, including healthcare workers, need to be respected. And you know, you just you just express as a citizen your conviction about this. But we'll uh, we'll send out some info on how to do that and what the links are. But um, that's all. We participate in the process, and then we bring these things to bear on the elections. Because the only way to fix this is to get the people who have such lack of respect for conscience out of office. That, that's what it boils down to. Father Frank, I have to publicly thank you for being so straightforward on these issues. I, I wish, and I know this has water under the bridge, 
but I wish our church would have spoken more forthright before this election took place. Yes. We're now reaping the evil effects of putting someone like Biden into the presidency. I know that people get mad when I talk politics, but you know, Father, look what has happened to our country. Uh, it's, it's been devastating almost two years, uh, you know, coming up on two years of this administration. Mor- the morality, the, uh, the, the chaos that's going on, and I don't even talk about the economics. I'm talking morally, the, the, the country has dipped down. So I just want to encourage people at the midterms that are coming up in November to really vote with a Catholic conscience. And, you know, you can't wait for uh, many of the people in the church because they're afraid of their 501c3. I'm not, because you know what, Father? Uh, even if the, the, these Protestants say things that are very political and they got away with it because, it, you know, I think it was, goes all the way back to, um, is it uh, Johnson who put that amendment back in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and and remember, it's not being enforced anymore. President, President Trump took care of that. He says, we're not going to enforce this this thing because because he knew it has a chilling effect yes. on pastors and churches. And he said when he rescinded sended that in uh, 2017, he said, look, pastors, we need your voice. Free That's speech right. doesn't yeah. stop at the steps of the cathedral or the synagogue. Yeah. Uh, so it, 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 so anything that happens from here on in terms of us being silent because uh, we're concerned about the tax exemption, Ugh. that's not the tax guy's fault. That would be our fault. Thank you. for uh, There's no reason to be silent. Father, thank you. Now let's get into uh, all the issues for the states. I just got this on, a, uh, on Friday that in 2019, an activist state court radically changed the Kansas Constitution, yes. making it impossible to regulate abortion, even in the simplest ways. Unlike our neighboring states, taxpayer-funded and late-term abortions could soon be a hundred percent allowed in Kansas. You know, but they're saying unless we do something about it. Can you set the stage since the Supreme Court made this announcement? What's going on with all the different states, and how can we help from our perspective? Well, the first thing that we need to do to help is is to contact anyone we know in Kansas, and even if we don't know anyone in Kansas, to put things out on our own websites and social media will um, uh, 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 people in Kansas can see it, you know, and 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 uh, other people that are on our sites may know folks in Kansas. They need to vote yes on this pro-life amendment that's on their ballot right now. Tomorrow is the final day of voting. Tomorrow is their primary date in Kansas. And um, so this is an issue for now. It's not for the November ballot. It's for this primary ballot. And what it's about is is just what you what you said that, well, essentially, the amendment says there's no right to abortion in our state constitution. Well, of course not. There never has been. Nobody ever thought that there was up until the Supreme Court uh, of Kansas said this a few years ago. Um, and uh, if Here's what, what what people need to understand is if you say there is a constitutional right to something, whether you're talking about the federal constitution or the state constitution, then it's very, very difficult for any law to restrict or prohibit that right. And that's that's the idea, because the constitution is always the supreme law, whether it's of the state or of the country. Mm-hmm. So by declaring something a constitutional right, you're taking it out of the hands of the people and you're saying, no, you can't restrict this. You can't uh, diminish this. So what would that do? It would do two things. And, and one thing we look back. The other thing we look forward. Okay. What it would do looking back 
is invalidate the good pro-life laws that the people of Kansas and their elected officials have enacted over the years and over the decades. Uh, For example, I stood with then Governor Sam Brownback when he signed into law the bill protecting babies from dismemberment abortion. Uh, It was the first of such uh, bills in the country. And uh, it was that bill, actually, uh, that that law, we should say, because Mm -hmm. he signed it into law, that prompted this court case that made the Supreme Court then uh, conclude that there was a right to abortion in the Kansas Constitution. But there's other laws there in Kansas involving um, informed consent and parental involvement and clinic regulations. Um, So so unless we pass this amendment tomorrow, those laws from the past become invalid. And then for the future, they can't pass pro-life laws in the future. That's bad for Kansas, and I don't think the people want that. Thank you for that explanation. Father Frank Pravone from Priest for Life. We're going to ask him some more questions regarding the sanctity of life. This is Terry and Jesse's show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. We'll have more to inspire you to fall deep in love with Jesus Christ and his church. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jesse's out. He'll be back tomorrow. Father Frank Pavone, my longtime friend for decades, he's been fighting for the unborn and one of my favorite priests. Father Frank, can you give our listeners a little understanding of what's going on regarding we have the Biden administration trying to push through a codifying of Roe versus Wade. They're trying to basically make it so that us, we pro-lifers and people who, who stand for life are not going to be able to uh, you know, stay, make laws for pro-life laws. Can you kind of summarize so that Joe Sixpack listening can understand what's at stake here? Yes. Well, Roe v. Wade, of course, was a court decision. Now it's it's been overturned. Yep. Um, but it was a court decision, not a law. And and that, of course, was what was at issue in the Dobbs case. That is that yeah. policy should come from lawmaking, not from a court decision. So the court set us on the right track. So so therefore, in response to the uh, decision being overruled, uh, the Biden administration says, well, then let's make the law. Yeah. Now, there's a reason why. This policy of abortion on demand, which Roe gave us, abortion throughout pregnancy, with very, very, very few, uh, very little room for restrictions, for the reason we discussed before, because if you say something's a constitutional right, well then, it's very hard to restrict or prohibit it. Um, But the reason it happened that way is that the people in America have never supported abortion without limits. Never. Uh, So now the Democrats are sort of um, in a world of unreality if they think that they're going to get the people to support it now. America now is more pro-life than than ever. So essentially what they're saying when they say we want to codify Roe Mm -hmm. is that they're saying we want to accomplish in public policy abortion without limits through the law that we couldn't do before. Right. Uh, but now that the court case has been taken away that did it for us, we need to go back to the lawmakers. Well, so they're kind of half right. You know, they're half right in the sense of here's the method you should be using. You should be using your elected lawmakers because then you have to persuade them. And in order to persuade them, 
you've got to persuade the people who are going to elect them. Otherwise, they'll throw them out of office. Mm -hmm. Now, all of that, however, presumes that both the lawmakers and the people understand what the bill is actually saying. And that brings us to our second point, which is that, you know, they say codify Roe, but it, it, it would go way beyond Roe. What they're proposing, again, is abortion that is um, doesn't even have the limits that Roe put there. Roe oh. said the states could prohibit abortion in the final months of pregnancy, but the Democrats don't want to do that. They, they want it completely unlimited until birth. And they tried. See, here's the other thing. They tried, but it didn't work. They already voted on this several times in the House and in the Senate. They don't have the votes. They have the votes in the House, but the Senate won't pass it. Uh, they realize it's too extreme. They, 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 they. Plus, we have the legislative filibuster, so they need 60 votes uh, again, which they don't have. Uh, but that's what's going on. But they, if they were to get a law like this, again, people need to realize it goes far beyond what most Americans want or have ever wanted. Eliminates even parents from being involved or even informed about the abortion of a of a minor age daughter of theirs. And um, all kinds of other reasonable restrictions, too, would be would be uh, uh, swept out of the way, just like Roe uh, swept out of the way all kinds of protections for these unborn babies. Thank you, Father. And I understand the archbishop in Kansas is really being bold when he says we have to push back uh, on this very hard. And I, I really appreciate that kind of leadership in the yeah. church. It's, yeah. it's refreshing to see that. I, I want to acknowledge that. Father, my other question is, there's an article about the U.S. Supreme Court Justice Alito uh, mocking foreign critics of, abor of the abortion ruling. This was uh, put out on Rudders. Uh, the conservative U.S. Supreme Court Justice brushed off criticism from prominent figures around the world last month for this blockbustering ruling. It seems to me that you know people from all over the world who are for abortion are, are mocking this decision, but I have to commend our Supreme Court because we had this leak, and you know you never knew what was going to happen, and and they just stuck to their guns. And so, they did. what what are your thoughts about uh, Alito standing up to this even now? You know, first of all, it's it's uh, a patriotism and it's an understanding that you know leaders in other countries really don't have anything to say about our constitution <laughs> think? or the way the way we interpret or yeah. the way we live under it. It's like, what do you, what do you, yeah. you know, now if they want to have their opinion about abortion. Okay. That's fine. Except that when they express that opinion in regard to this decision, well, first of all, many world, uh, world, uh, leaders have praised, yeah. uh, this decision. In fact, I was just, uh, we were just putting something in our newsletter here, uh, uh, let me go back to it. And, uh, you know, pro-life pro leaders in Latin America. Oh, in yes, Brazil, I read that. Even that same day of the Dobbs decision, they were coming out and saying, we reaffirm our stance awesome. for life. What America has done has deepened our convictions. Good. So there's a lot of, lot of, of pro-life leaders. Remember, there's a lot of countries who, who we talked about this on a past program last mm. spring, who celebrate the day of the unborn child. Yep. And, and, and this is by government decree. So a I lot of these it. Latin American countries, some of the European countries are just, you know, firm in their pro-life conviction. In fact, I was just with uh, 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 some, uh, some international uh, ambassadors who were, who were saying the same thing about how their countries are so pro-life. So it's a mixed reaction. Yeah. Now, but the ones that are that are that are uh, speaking out against um, uh, the Dobbs case, 
they just like Biden himself, mm -hmm. they are speaking about it in what I will call a one dimensional mm -hmm. way. And, and what I mean is, OK, so here you have a battle on this abortion issue between the asserted rights of the mother and the rights of the baby. OK, so the question is, how do these two interact? The rights of these two mm -hmm. uh, lives, how do they, do they interact? And um, what the Supreme Court has said to us is, you know, the people through their elected representatives will have the wisdom to sort this out. We are not going to try to answer that question, but we are going to give them the maximum freedom to work it out for themselves. Mm -hmm. Now, what these uh, pro-abortion leaders, both in the States and elsewhere, do is they take the baby completely out of the equation. That's right. You listen to the way they speak. In fact, even, Terry, the dissenters in Dobbs. So in other words, uh, Kagan, Sotomayor, Breyer, they wrote that dissent. Yes. If you read that dissent, nowhere in that dissent do you do you read about the baby. Of course not. So it's like, so it's like wait a minute, folks. <laughs> you know, you can come down where you want on abortion, but you can't, you know, redefine what the, the, the challenge is here. The challenge is in, indeed to answer the question, how do the rights of the mother and the rights of the baby interact? Not to just, you know, eliminate one from the equation right from square one. Yeah. So so these national these international leaders, you know, some of them saying, oh, this is a step backwards for women's rights. Oh, so this is just about women's rights. There's no human <laughs> rights. Forgetting somebody. <laughs> right. I mean, it's so elementary yeah. and it's really so absurd and it's offensive. It's offensive to human reason yeah. because, again, it's just not honestly addressing what the problem is. Right. That you've got to do some, you know, you've got to look at both parts of the equation. Amen. Father, we got three minutes. I want to give plugs to Priest for Life and all the activities you're doing. And give us yeah. some advice with the upcoming midterms, how we can be better prepared to vote pro-life. Yeah, well, what we're doing, of course, we have prayer campaigns and mm -hmm. endabortion.us is our main website. Good. Okay, so endabortion.us, prayer campaigns, educational material for your churches, yep. political material, prolifevote.com. And people can sign up there as far as the midterms go. Yeah, we are doing election training Good. by means of Zoom calls. We want to invite people to come and take part. Sign up at prolifevote.com. You'll see a, a whole bunch of other material, including our action alerts. And now I want to bring it back there, Terry, to yep. Kansas. Yes. Our latest action alert posted today. Yes. Friends, Kansas has got to pass this pro-life amendment tomorrow. It's the first public referendum after the, the Dobbs decision. It's going to get national attention. Oh, yeah. And uh, we need to make sure it succeeds. So it doesn't create new policy. It just says our constitution in Kansas does not uh, secure a right to abortion or a duty to pay for it. Friends, Check out our website. Awesome. Get on that action alert. Alert your friends in Kansas. Let's have a victory. Father, thank you. Also, one out of four American women from what, from childbearing age, from what I read, statistically have had abortions. What can you say to someone who tragically had an abortion about the love of God and the mercy of God? Well, you are not alone, and God is with you. We are with you, and that, of course, too, is a big part of what we do is providing that healing. Uh, Rachel's Vineyard, Silent No More. You'll read testimonies on our website, uh, and you'll find the places where you can go for healing on our website as well. We are with you. That's the yeah. thing. That's what Jesus says to us. That's what we say to those who have had abortions. 
Do not despair. I've even, Terry, I've even ministered to people who have had 26 abortions. About 26 abortions. And 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 they uh, they have, even after that, found the peace and mercy of Christ. So uh, no one should no one should despair. Father, I just want to encourage all of our listeners to become monthly donors for Priests for Life. And I read that, well, say that, well, it's because the work you're doing is critical. Not everybody goes out in front of clinics and gets arrested at clinics like some of us have had. I can't, I'm not expecting everybody to do that, but you right. can help financially in your prayers for Priests for Life. How can they support you financially, Father? The uh, ProLifeGift.org is a special website that, that they can they, they can make a one-time donation or like you're suggesting, there's a place there where they can sign up for the monthly gift, ProLifeGift.org. And friends, you know, you want to save lives, uh, get behind uh, uh, efforts like uh, like we're making here because uh, it will make, it does make a difference, makes a difference now more than ever. Now that the court is not going to block these uh, these pro-life policies. So ProLifeGift.org. And, and thanks, uh, Terry, for always uh, encouraging that. I do because I believe in the mission. Father Frank Pavone, Priest for Life, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to update our listeners in regards to the unborn. Thank you. God love you. Up next, folks, four practical tips for more fruitful time in adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Again, lift our Lord's prayers there to our Lord for our young babies. Uh, this would be a great place to get if, uh, lots of good information and lots of inspiration before our Eucharistic King. Stay with us. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be back after a short break. Thanks again. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jesse will be back tomorrow. Before I give you the four practical tips for a more fruitful time before our Eucharistic King, Bishop uh, Athanasius Snyder's book, The Springtime That Never Came, Questions and Answers. So I wanted to give a question here. I think it's appropriate for our culture, especially when we talked about suicide regarding uh, earlier the question by Bishop Sheen. So Archbishop uh, Peglia, president of the Pontifical Academy for Life during an interreligious international symposium on medical ethics. Uh, this was done December 11, 2019. He said that it's heretical to claim that Judas is in hell. Really, he said. He said, I always celebrate funerals for those who commit suicide because suicide is always a question of unfulfilled love. We must also remember that for the Catholic Church, if someone says that Judas is in hell, he's a heretic. I remember him saying that. This is an example of where the theory of universal salvation can lead. So here's what Bishop Snyder says. The tendency to justify that Judas urged to re rehabilitate him seems unchristian to me. The betrayal of the Son of God cannot be considered as an insignificant trifle. Jesus himself said to, G to Judas, it would have been better for you if you had not been born. That's Matthew 26, 24. These are the words of God himself, Bishop Snyder says. It is difficult to imagine that God spoke such words and yet the man to whom they were addressed is now enjoying eternal happiness in heaven. 
St. Peter said that Judas hath it by transgression fallen from the ministry of the apostolate, that he shall that he might go to his own place. That was Acts one twenty five, the place of the one who committed suicide. We don't, of course, have certain knowledge that Judas is in hell. God has not explicitly revealed this to us. Neither has the church taught in solemnity, although her ancient liturgical texts bear witness to the belief commonly accepted. But to say that someone who thinks Judas is in hell is preaching heresy is preposterous. I have the impression that the new Judases among the high clergy are looking for a new patron saint, hence the tendency to justify him. I would agree with you, Bishop Snyder, that that's exactly what's going on, because if Judas goes to heaven, we all go to heaven. So thank you for clarifying that, and I think it's important that uh, the Bible's very clear, and um, we, uh, we just, you know, what the church has always taught about that, so... I appreciate Bishop Snyder's thankfulness. All right, let's get to these four practical tips for a more fruitful time in adoration. And you know, folks, number one is cultivating a period of silence. Now, sometimes people will go into adoration. Let me get my rosary out. Let me get read. That's good. Let me go read something. But just listen. Zip the lip and listen. If you can do that, I believe our Lord speaks to us in silence. And the saints have all said that. So, you know, it's, it's okay to read your, uh, you know, divine office, pray your office, or pray rosary, read your scriptures, but always set some time for silence before our Eucharistic King. I had a gentleman here last week who has got challenges in his life, and I asked him about praying the rosary. I used to. Well, pray it now every day. So I'm coaching him. But I said, once a week, at least make a holy hour. Spend time quietly before our Eucharistic Lord. This is another interesting one this author came up with. He said, be aware of your physical posture. Sometimes when you're kneeling, uh, you can really have a sense of God, even more than sitting. Other times it can be vice versa. But it's important that we take the time before our Lord. And another one he says is take the time to say goodbye. When your holy hour is up, you know, just snatch your coat, rush out the door. No, I think a good one is I give thee thanks, almighty, all merciful, and all loving God for all the blessings that I have received from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. That's a prayer I say throughout the day. But before I leave Jesus, you know, take your time in saying goodbye to him. You don't do that when you say goodbye to your kids or your wife, right? Yeah, see you later, anybody? No, take your time. Also, this is a critical one. Make a regular commitment if possible. Everybody's busy, but, you know, Thursdays at 8 o'clock or when I come home from work, I'm going to stop by the church for, you know, they have an adoration chapel 24-7. This is my time with God once a week, quiet time. Now, we're spoiled because we have the Sacred Heart Chapel. I have the key to the chapel. I can go anytime I want, so I have no excuses. But the key is putting it on the schedule, just like any other thing. So many people say, well, I exercise on this day every day. Well, that's great. I swim laps in a pool every day, keep my exercise. But what about my spiritual exercise? 
And the best thing we can do is be with our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. I think I, I told you I was at that baseball game earlier in the show, and I sat by an 80-year-old fallen-away Catholic, and you know, he left the church, and he just didn't believe in the Eucharist. So sad. And that's why we have to bring back a Eucharistic kingdom back. we got to be fervent in our belief in the real presence and show it by the way we act. So when we genuflect, we genuflect. When we are in the presence of Christ, we act like it. And, you know, priest friend of my father, Vincent, uh, father Vincent Lucia, started a 1,200, cha- 1200 parishes with Eucharistic adoration. Yeah, his line was, uh, remember our Lord is a prisoner of love in the blessed sacrament for our sake. Yes, he pines for us to come and keep him company. Think about that. Our Lord is asking us to spend time with him. Can we find that time? Well, we're all busy. I know I'm, I'm as busy as, you know, as anyone else. Let's not excuse ourselves because we have to do X, Y, or Z. I really encourage people at least once a week and if possible, every day, you know, daily mass, especially the retired guys that are my age. Come on, guys. Go into the golf course. Really, is that really the best time management for you and your soul? I don't think so. I mean, I don't mind you going golfing, whatever, even once a week. But what about your visit to the Blessed Sacrament? What's going to be more important in eternity? I guarantee you, gentlemen, there's no golf clubs in heaven. But you're going to be living in the presence of God and Eucharistic adoration is a taste of heaven. So I just want to encourage people to really seriously consider taking that time before our Lord and making reparation, too, for the sacrileges that are going on. I talked about that earlier in the show, where people aren't believing in the real presence and they're doing sacrilegious liturgies or um, you know, mocking our Lord. Uh, it, there needs to be reparation. And I think... Adoration is a good way to make reparation and atonement for our own sins and the sins of the world. So keep that in mind when you're driving from home from work. See if there's a parish that has adoration 24 hours or certain times of the day. I guarantee you what I'm giving you right now, you'll thank me when we're in heaven. I guarantee it. I, can, I know that for a fact. And I've had people actually thank me even on this side. Where they say, I just started visiting and I come after work and then I come, I was staying longer because it, was, it brought me so much peace. Think about what we said earlier about the world right now is so frightened because they're frightened because the world is out telling you, you're going to die, you're going to die. You get this COVID-19 or you get this. You know what? I know we're all going to die. That's not the question. The question is, are we going to die in the state of grace? How do we stay in the state of grace? Get to confession often. And if you, you know, ask yourself, like St. Francis de Sales said, <laughs> that, you know, say, well, Lord, please help me. If I'm not in the state of grace, help me become, you know, get me into the state of grace. So, you know, we can't absolutely know if we are, but we can ask for that. So that's a good quote from St. Francis de Sales. Also, pray your daily rosary. Right, you're off the team if you don't pray your rosary. Told that gentleman last week. You know, let's do it. And also, uh, remember to read your scriptures every day. If you can't get to Mass, we, we read the Gospel every day here for you. But there's so much more we can do for our spiritual life if we prioritize it. 
Also, I want to thank all those people. I got two people now that are wanting to go to lunch for that $1,000 donation. I can't believe it, but if you want to make a $1,000 donation to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, you can come here for the radio show, watch the show, and then we'll go to lunch. That's what I'd like to do, and that would help our ministry, especially during these summer months. Call 877-526-2151. Better than that, I'll give you my cell number. I don't know of anybody on radio who gives cell numbers out on the radio. I've done it for 20 years. Yep, 661-972-7872. And yes, I'm on the phone a lot. So if I'm on the phone, I'll call you back. But I I try to be available to you, our listeners, because I know it's not easy out there. And our role for you is to get you to heaven. Yep. Remember what Bishop Sheen said. If souls are saved, everything is saved. But if souls aren't saved, nothing is saved. And I appreciate all you monthly donors who support us here. If you give $25 a month, um, that's minimum. We send you hundreds of dollars worth of downloads of Bishop Sheen, Scott Hahn, Tim Staples, Father Bill Casey, Jess Romero, all these great talks. Why? We want to form you. We really believe that one of the reasons the church is in a mess is because people don't know their faith. And I'm talking right up into the seminary. Yes. It's sad to have to say that. But we need high, we need first century Christians, high energy Catholics. And also, we are going to have a new show coming on with Virgin Most Powerful, Charles Cologne, who's a master at history. Uh, you've heard him on my show a couple of weeks ago. He's going back to. Uh, Austria, and we're setting up equipment there so that he can continue to do broadcasting there with us here at Virgin Most Powerful, all because you and your support. If Jesse was here, which he'll be here tomorrow, I'd say, Jess, what state should we be living in? He'd say the state of grace, and that's it. So I praise God that we are able to be here with you, and I thank you for allowing me to come into your living room, your your radio, at a car are online on your smartphone. Please download our free app if you haven't got it. There's a lot of resources on that free free app. Go to vmpr.org or call us at 877-526-2151. Remember, life is short and eternity is forever. Remember, Our Lady of Fatima said this, those are going to hell. Believe it or not, yes, that's what Our Lady said, because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Eucharistic adoration, your rosary, your daily duties. Offer that up as a sacrifice for the salvation of souls. That's golden advice. May God richly bless you and your family. And thanks again for supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. God bless you.